0: Alright, this is Andrew here. You need to stop right now. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast episode with Barbara Moore from September of 2014, go to thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts and listen to it first, or go into previous episodes in whatever service you're using to get this on what you're listening to, and look it up and listen to it. Barbara and I uh, continue this wonderful conversation we started a year ago about getting lost, seeking initiation, seeking transformation, and all of these wonderful kinds of things. And I think that this conversation, although it does stand on its own, it really does rest on this previous conversation and is a, a contrast and an exploration from what was going on a year ago. Welcome to the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices, into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com. /podcasts or you can search the Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes or catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. If you are looking to learn tarot and you're looking to study from wherever you are in the world, please go to our events page on the Hermit's Lamp Website And check out all the courses that we have, both uh, upcoming live events and previously recorded streaming videos and, and other great things. It is a collection of amazing teachers from around the world. And each uh, course is a grouping, uh, for the most part, of five different teachers, really focusing and digging in and into one topic. Uh, Marseille style tarot reading psychology is coming up next year and if you listen to the very end of this podcast you'll catch an announcement about a mysterious new service i'm offering so welcome to another episode of the hermit's lamp podcast i am here with barbara moore and uh you know a year and a bit ago september 2014 barbara and i had a conversation about um Getting lost from your path and trying to find your way, and trying to make sense of where where you've gotten to, and 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 where you know when you get to a place where you're like, oh, I was on this road and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anymore, and those kinds of things. And um, so you know, I've been hanging out with Barbara and watching what's going on for the last while, and I thought it'd be great to come back and. See what's changed and see where, um, you know, where there's been growth because I certainly think there's been a ton of growth and a a sense of direction again. But also, let me say this. Stop. If you have not listened to the previous episode, stop right now. Go to thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or if you're on iTunes or Stitcher or one of those places, click the previous episodes and scroll through and go and listen to that other one first. Because... This conversation, um, at least a good chunk of it, is gonna gonna rest on that previous conversation, and I think it'd be really fruitful to listen to. So, hey, Barbara, how's it going?
1: Good, good. How are you doing? I'm
0: good. So, it seems like things have uh, really started to move ahead for you again, or your sense of them is moving ahead. What's you know what's going on with you these days?
1: Hmm. It's a great question and I'm really happy to talk about it and you are very perceptive and very right. Things have opened up. Things have changed and uh, when I think back to September 2014, I was just at the beginning of the end of the uh, the time, the dark time, the lost time, whatever we want to call it. Um, so what has opened up? Well, a lot of what I was going through, a lot of where I was lost was I didn't know, I was at a point, I struggled for a long time with the high priestess card within myself, that energy, that archetype um, on a couple of levels. One, the deeper spiritual connection part, um, because I like to be, have always liked to be more um, left-brained more rational, more understanding what's going on, have um, a plan and steps and an equation and know how things work. So I never really got connected with the high priestess. The other part of the high priestess is not just that way of knowing and being in the world. That's an important part of her, but she also wears a crown. And so to me, a crown is authority power, responsibility. And um, I was having a lot of trouble with that. Like there was, it felt like there was my personal power and I was afraid to look at it, acknowledge it, pick it up, take it. Um, And, you know, just to show how much in the past these um, journeys can begin and this is one element of what I learned that I don't want to forget to talk about is the necessity of time, which is a hard thing to talk about. So I'm going to make a note so I remember to come back to that idea. Okay, so a long time ago um, at a reader studio, I don't remember what year, but it was quite some time ago, and Mary Greer was speaking. We were doing these little circles where um, each table got got away from the table, put our chairs together so that like our knees were touching, we were really close together, it was really intimate, and we were doing these really fast, round-robin, one-card things for each other based on prompts that Mary gave us. And I remember at one point, I believe it was um, Joanna Guyantreau, creator, um, she was doing one for me, and um, what I don't know what the card was, we didn't see each other's cards, but she said something like, wear the crown put the crown on Mm -hmm. and you know this. And so a lot of the um, lost stuff was dealing with that sense of um, the personal power and refusing to put the crown on and accept it and whatever, because it's a lot of responsibility and it's also scary. It's much easier and less frightening to be quiet and in the corner and doing small things that you know what the outcome will be. But to do something big that you don't even know what the outcome is going to be is terrifying. It, but I'd gotten to the point where I was paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get kind of soul sick like that, you know, like your spirit is trying to be what it needs to be and you keep fighting it. I think that's how people get soul sick.
0: Yeah, my As- friend Fabeku likes to frame it in the in the sort of – between the polarities of on the one hand, there's your bigness, you know, that great big fullness of who you are that sees beyond, you know, paying your rent and, you know, like the day to day and all those details Uh and the smallness. Right. And that, that piece of you that's like, oh, but if I do this, then maybe Betty won't like me or maybe, you know, like that really like small kind of more fearful, like often more fearful day-to-day detail, you know, under under the guise of being practical or whatever. Right. And that, that challenge between, you know, getting from one to the other, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and you said the key thing too, one of the key words, practical, um, that's always been something that, I've said is so important to me. In fact, my old website was practical to row and that's all I want it to be was how does this apply in the real world? And is it efficient and effective and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because I had this very structured idea of how we measure a good life. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've learned that there's way, way more to living a good life than those things. Um, so, Oh, have I gotten off track or lost in what you've asked me? Um, you
0: were talking about uh, finding your way towards accepting that you should be wearing the crown.
1: Right, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, not, now this is something people should know. Just because I feel like I've gotten here and made a breakthrough doesn't mean it's all perfect from here on out. I mean, there's still backslidings and moments of complete doubt and terror. I mean, almost every night before I fall asleep, when I think about, you know, especially if I've been working on an article or, um, like, yesterday I was starting to brainstorm ideas for Reader Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started thinking about what I wanted to say. And I scared myself. I'm like, I can't do that. This would be, it would might insult people. It might be too much. It might not be fun enough. You know, just all this. And who do I think I am to okay. say?
0: well isn 't isn 't that the question right mm-hmm. you know like the to me that 's definitely one of the big cruxes of these kinds of problems right on the one hand there 's the the problem of rampant arrogance right you know which is just like and we all know people who you know i 'm sure just like charge ahead and tell everybody how it is and whatever and maybe they're right maybe they're not maybe whatever and maybe they're just not even nice but who knows right that like ego run amok right but then on the other side there's that like oh, who am i like why 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 am i worthy what what if i'm not even right what if you know what if what if what if, what if right <laughs> yeah
1: Yeah. So, so those moments still happen just so people know, you know, just because you go through something like this doesn't mean it's all done forever. And that is one of the most important things that I learned um, from me. And, uh, you know, this is all personal, right? So this is how it felt for me my entire life. And I think we talked about this in that first podcast that you told people to go listen to, which I almost want to say, no, don't, because I haven't listened to it again, but I'm sure I was a complete mess. Um, cause I was in a really hard place, but anyways, um, it would be interesting to listen to Anyways, I had been looking for capital T truth, right? The one sole answer that would make everything fall into place. And, um, of course I would still like that. Who wouldn't? Um, but, uh, yeah, so I wanted something that would answer all the questions and that would change and heal me from all things forever right? Just, let's just get it over with and do it. But what I discovered is, you know, when we talk about transformation, I I think that sometimes people think a transformative ritual or a transformative experience, the transformation happens in the moment, right? You know, oh, I did a, a fire ritual or, oh, I had hands laid on me or, oh, I whatever, right? But what I learned, what my experience of, transforming was, um, is that it's a process and that it takes a long time. And like that, that moment, that ritual part, whatever it is, however it expresses itself in your life is necessary and part of this larger process. And, you know, things happen leading up to it. It happens and then things happen afterwards. And see, this is one of the things, this is one of the things I learned that, um, that September I was in some pretty heavy shamanic training at that point, and preparing for a winter solstice um, public ritual, and it was great training and a great experience. But one thing that if I wish I would have known before then, or going in, or I wish that there was at um, what I think of as aftercare, because after the ritual. It's of I mean, crap happens before, and then crap happens after. It's just different kind of crap. And if you're not prepared, your life blows up, and you don't know what to do with that. I'm sorry. That was- um. So,
0: uh, maybe you're life blows up even if you are prepared for it, right?
1: Yes, it does. It'll blow up no matter what difference is being prepared for it. Yeah. You know, I, 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 one of the things that I teach now as a result of this is, um, well, I think of it as uh, tarot supported transformation, you know, and I trace the transformative process through the entire major arcana, the whole major arcana makes up the process, not just death. I mean, we like to say death is the card of transformation. Mm -hmm. well, I think death is the ritual part, the part that marks that like this very important point in it. But then after death and temperance, well, then you have the tower and the devil. Those are hard cards. And they, if you're not prepared to deal with them after your ritual, I, I believe the transformative process is stopped.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, in, um, there, there's this uh, sort of old ceremonial text called, the. I'm going to get the title wrong, anyway, the, the Sacred Working of Abramel and the Mage. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, this, this text is, um, you know, it's a manual for how to contact your guardian angel mm-hmm. and align yourself with it and become connected and unified with it so that you can fulfill your destiny on earth. Right, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like this six-month process of you know escalating ceremony and prayers every day, leading up to the sort of culminative transformative experience or culminative union experience, right? Mm -hmm. And then the thing that's fascinating about that is, so once you finish that, right, the very next piece of work is you open up a gateway to the land of demons, and you make you make them swear allegiance to you. Because you have to contain and control and redirect all that lower work based on all that upper work, right? Because otherwise, you can, you know, whether we see it as, as psychological or literal or whatever, you can be as enlightened and as holy and as connected and clear about your destiny as possible. Uh-huh. But if you have lower energies, you know, in yourself or in the world running around unharnessed to that higher purpose, yeah. then you can completely devolve and, and collapse into things, right, you know?
1: Oh, that's brilliant!
0: These, these these people, these mystics of old, they knew a thing or two.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did, but I think sometimes they need someone to rewrite their work in a more accessible language, because most of us don't want to work through whatever. Well, there is that, yes. Yeah, or or maybe not. I just, I had, wow, that is amazing. Now, I'd heard about some, I don't know if it was the same process or a different one that's similar. It was kind of, you know, the six months, the, the rituals, the guardian a- getting in touch with your angel. So I'd heard that kind of thing. What? How you explained it, the demons being metaphoric, duh, um, or literal. But, but, but I mean, for me, metaphoric just made everything fall into place, and it made a whole lot of sense. Yeah, so, yeah cool.
0: Well, you know, it's, I I mean, I think it's tied to the idea that every time you take a step up the ladder, you need to make sure that whatever is below you in the ladder, you know, gets lifted up that step too, right? Right. Whether whether that's socially, whether that's uh, internally, whether that's spiritually, right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, well, and and would you um, say that that's like, would be similar to the idea, okay, when I talk about transformation, I talk about the hero's journey, and I talk about how everything is needed to make it complete, otherwise it breaks down and fails, Um, the last step is the return or integration, Yeah. and so if you're continuing to bring things up the ladder, is that that also a kind of integration? I think
0: so, yeah, you know, you change the vibration of the whole system, right? As opposed to just one piece by bringing up what's, you know, what's below you on the ladder. Right. Yeah. Nifty. Mm -hmm. But all of that to say, I think that as you were saying, right, if you go through these great transformations, right, you know, and I mean, they're going to bring their own ripples that pursue you for probably forever. Right. And, um, but, but beyond that, if you don't deal with that, shadow stuff, or if you don't, you know, as you say, if you don't know what's coming, if you're not aware of how it might challenge you, you know, or anybody, then it makes it really easy. It makes it really easy to make it extra hard. Right?
1: Right. right. Or think that it failed. Yeah. You know, like I remember during the uh, winter solstice ritual last year, somebody, you know, had, you know, part of the ritual is you give something to um, the, we call her the old bone mother You you give something that you're, that no longer serves you to be mm-hmm. taken away by her. She collects all the stuff all from all over the world, everybody's stuff that they don't need anymore. And then she, you know, in the wintertime sits in this, this cave or a cottage or wherever you want to vision her knitting. And she's knitting new things out of the old things. Mm. And, um, my, um, friend was at the, uh, Ritual, and then she told me she, you know, gave this thing up, and then right away she turned to the person she was with, and the person did or said something that pushed that very button that, you know, was the thing, and she was very upset. Like, and so the assumption is it didn't work. The ritual didn't work because here it is right here in my face. And I explained to her, well, no, that's how you know the ritual did work. Because by doing this ritual, you're signaling to the universe, to spirit, to whoever you're signaling, that you're ready to deal with it. And so the universe responds, and great, cool, here, deal with it. Yeah. Do it. You know, it doesn't magically go away, but you commit to working through it. And that's why the first two weeks after a ritual are super hard because the universe is taking you at your word and saying, you said you were ready. You said, you're doing this. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think a lot of times um, transformative um, processes are incomplete in people because they don't know the fullness of it, how big it is and how much they're responsible for afterwards as well
0: yeah it's been on my mind a lot lately. this sort of question you know and, I, and I've been asking it with people that I work with um, how far do you actually want to go mm-hmm. you know how How much do you actually want to resolve this? because if what you want is to fix it for now and hope that it doesn 't come back again, that's a perfectly valid choice, yeah. but it's also a very specific choice right mm-hmm. versus do you want to make this so that you are pretty much unlikely to ever find your way back into this trap that you've gotten, you found yourself in, right? Do you want to become immune to this trigger, you know? And, and in between there's some spectrum of, you know, uh, how, how resistant do we do it? Do we need to become, right? Because there are always times, right? You know, like, something horrible happens in our life and we're tired and sleep deprived and we're going through grief and whatever, you know, our, our deepest, worst patterns, you know, might still emerge during those times, but we can be free of it in our daily life and our regular life, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can we can be clear about the choices we can make to stay out of it, you know, and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, often, you know, often as a reader, people come in and they want to, they want to fix the thing. And then they, they they make the change or they hear that it's going to get better or whatever. And then they go off and then, you know, and then they're back a year later, you know, for the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, I, and so I feel like I've learned the secret to making it last, lasting change, at least for me. Yeah. Um, you know, because all my life, it's, I repeat these cycles and make these same mistakes over and over again. And, you know, it, it, it no, yeah. So, so I was lost and now I feel like I figured out, um, bumbled my way through with the help of, you know, different teachers. Um, my shaman, shaman teacher here who I studied with and also, um, Books and podcasts and um people all around me, all this stuff kind of conspired together, and I kind of cherry picked from all of those interactions and experiences over the last several years and f- like a kaleidoscope, the picture kind of came together, and i kind of and and so this is what I'm excited about this is what I've been teaching, and this is what saved my life so um and so is that vague enough for you? <laughs> so
0: I think it's great because, you know, around the time we talked last, I, I I believe that I heard you say something like, maybe I'm done with tarot. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember seeing a statement like that. I don't remember if it was in the podcast or if it was just somewhere that I was, you know, around where you were talking about it. And you're like, maybe I'm done with tarot. And now... Not so much, right?
1: No, 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 not so, not so much. I can, I think I can see why I might have said that, um, because my association with tarot, my use of tarot, has always been so rooted in this idea of who I thought I was and how I thought the world worked and what was important in the world. Mm. And since I was changing that, I because tarot was c- connected with it you know, baby and bathwater both go out. Right. But luckily, luckily, um, I, well, I don't know who to thank many people, many things, spirit guides, helpers, but also probably um, um, the people who organized the Portland Tarot Conference last year, because they invited me to speak. And so I had to come up with something fascinating, tarot related. And through doing that, I realized how, you know, the tarot has been for like over two decades has been my spiritual guide and Bible. And it still is. And that's one of the beautiful things about it is it is a structure and a framework that is flexible, <laughs> and so you can use it for a lot of different ways of looking at the world, and so it's still with me. I'm just using it a little bit differently or looking at it a little bit differently now, yeah, well,
0: and I think that 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 piece of wisdom that that tarot that things can be more flexible than we imagine they might be, you know, mm-hmm. I think is really profound, you know because i've been. You know, I mean, I've been going through something that, that you know, not as intense as what you were going through, you know, previously, but, you know, I've been noticing stuff about my work that, uh, that isn't, uh, you know, that isn't making me as happy, like the phone ringing right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, oh God, look at that. There's no making it stop. Um... You know, and the the sort of notion that I can change what I do, mm-hmm. you know, is is really is really I I've, it's become very embedded in in sort of my approach to these kinds of things. So I've been noticing that the stuff that I want to do, like uh, working on this tarot deck proposal that I'm putting together, and finishing a couple of books that I'm in process of and stuff like that, these things aren't happening because the only time that I really have to work on them is the time when I'm at the store. Mm-hmm. And that time is uh, either often taken up by clients, which is great. Um, or, or if I'm not with clients often continuously interrupted mm-hmm. by the phone and people walking into shop, which is, which is also great, but really not conducive to doing what I, what I'm, what's inspiring and feeding me. Right. Right. And so I was like, I was talking with my partner about it and you know, I mean, we, we have the good fortune to, to have more flexibility maybe than some people do, but they're like, well, I can come up and run the shop on an extra day for, for half the day. Mm -hmm. I can see more clients, which is what I want. And, uh, I can't make the phone stop ringing and it's the same person calling back. Um, see the here, here we have the synchronistic emergence of the things that I'm trying to avoid um, so anyways, you know so so we're going to change the schedule, you know, mm-hmm. and you know and, and in other areas of our life, you know, like in my relationship, you know, we have this um habit of when things get challenging or when our life becomes challenging, um, we go back to dating. You know, so we're just like, you know what? And we've been together 18 years, right? So we've been together a long time. And, um, you know, so we, you know, we, there's, our relationship has been a series of relationships and a series of returning to dating, which is, okay, so we know that we like each other and we know that everything's changed. So now we need to go back and figure out what actually inspires us now And that means we need to be willing to shake up the assumptions and routines and, and the agreements to find out what agreements we want to make to continue to go forward with, you know, and that level of flexibility is, um, it's, it's hard, but it's also, it's also easier in the end. And the more you get in tune with that, then the more something like a long relationship, you know, with a person, with the cards, with your spiritual practice, with whatever, you know, the more that can emerge and grow and live mm-hmm. and stay with us for forever, as opposed to what often happens is people hit that spot, you know, where you were and you're just like, eh, I'm done with that. I'll go do something else. And, right. and maybe that is the right choice, but maybe it's not. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. And so don't just go there right away. Yeah. Um, I love that you and your partner always return to dating. I think, um, Lisa and I have a similar, um, idea of how a relationship stays alive and vibrant. And so, um, but I don't know why, but we, we don't, we know we've been together about 15 years. So almost as long as you guys. Um, and we have, we don't wait till things get bad. Um, because mostly due to Lisa, she is kind of like the, um, guiding spirit, guardian angel of our relationship. She takes the best care of it. Um, but we do, we date all the time, uh-huh. like we're always, always, you know, planning date dates and sometimes, but what's really the thing that really keeps things alive are our um, secret dates. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, the, the idea of our secret dates got so many people interested. We, she and I actually wrote a book about it. Yeah. Um, you know but the idea of a secret date is you plan a date for your person And it can be a romantic partner. It could be a friend, a sibling, a parent. It doesn't have to be, you know, someone you're sexually involved with. It can be anyone you're in a relationship with. Um, But a secret date is something that they don't know what they're going to. Now, this doesn't work for everyone. Some people get super uncomfortable if Mm -hmm. they don't know. So, of course, this is what you do to show that you love someone, not to upset them. So, (laughs) don't do it. But the benefit of, you know, being okay with the secret part is you know you get to rediscover somebody in new and surprising ways and you know that because people are always changing but we also go through periods where we don't change you know and you could get bored with someone in one of those periods so throwing in these secret dates of these activities that need that are new to both of you you know, I think that and I heard once that in like in movies, you know, how people meet at the beginning of a movie and then by the end of the movie, they're in love. And you're like, how can that happen? Well, um, I think it was in a psychology class in college where he, the theory he the teacher explained the theory is when you are like going through something that is new to you with something that's new to somebody else and you're both like, it causes this bond to happen between people who are going through something for the first time together, you know? And and so that's how it it actually can happen. People can feel like they've fallen in love and in real life or in a movie, whether it is real love or not, only time can tell, but, you know, it's just what I'm trying to say is by doing new things together, um, it increases that bond of connection yeah. and also helps you to continually rediscover things about the person because, you know, surprise and delight. I mean, that's when we first start dating someone, we're delighted and surprised by oh my God, that's so cool. Whatever they did or said and
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: keeping people inspired so that they are surprising themselves and you, it, it's a nice thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of a couple other sort of, studies that are things that i've sort of seen um one was an article to fall in love with anybody do this thing or something like that and Uh you know it's basically like the idea was that they had a list of really super personal questions Mm -hmm. and that they had people um sit across from each other and look each other in the eyes and ask and answer these questions Uh and basically people would fall in love with each other over the course of an evening right Mm -hmm. and so i think that you know bringing that into connections that you want to rekindle the the energy of or strengthen the connect is of is helpful and the other is um sort of the notion that if we see other people um at their best or in their mastery or you know in their passion that also is is something that can really uh kindle or rekindle Mm -hmm. our connections to other people and so you know that the i think those things are you know, there there are tools out there that we can use, right? right. Yeah, you know, you know, one of one of the, the one of the things that my one of my teachers said to me along the way is that uh love is discipline, you know? Right. And we think of it as a sort of like you know, uh romance novel, you know, swept away, whatever, and it's like, well that that is true to a point and certainly in the beginning, mm-hmm. but to actually sustain something it requires Willingness, attention, showing up, mm-hmm. you know, um, honesty. I mean, lots of things, right? right? And and all of those things are also all true of our spiritual paths as well, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's a reason why Rumi is so popular, right? That his use of talking about love, you know, love of the divine, but couched in sort of romantic language mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to us because... You know, because to keep our spiritual lives going requires that same kind of tending and attention.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I think people don't always remember that. And it's easy to get out of your habits and, you know, other things try to muscle their way into your time and attention and, and pull you away from that. And It does. It takes discipline to mm-hmm. uh and commitment to stay with it. Um, but. It's essential and necessary and so fulfilling in the end, but it is a constant battle, you know, which kind of goes back to my misconception about what a transformative moment was, you know, wanting the magic um, wand just to touch me and make it all better and not have to continually decide. Uh, you said love, is, you heard that love is a discipline and I agree with that 100%. I've I've said something similar. That love is a decision, you know, you decide with every action and statement and stuff, whether it's love or not. And uh, I I think with spirituality is the same thing, you know, you don't just suddenly get touched and then everything you do is automatically in alignment with spirit. Because you're still a human and <laughs> so you still ha and you still have free will. I mean that's the whole point. You have free will. How are you gonna apply your will? Which decision are you going to make? And what does that decision say about what you believe?
0: Well, that's one of the things that I find um super refreshing, you know, about the, the elders in my in my Orisha tradition, you know? Mm-hmm. They're they're always being like, Yeah, I'm still a person, you know? I still like to go and watch, you know, like whatever, like you know, one of my elders, like really like Dexter. And I'm like, really? It's how, how counter to spirituality is, is that from a certain perspective? Right. But it's not, they're just a person and they like the things that they like. Right. Right. You know, but you know, when I was more involved in the the Western mystery traditions, there was this notion that we would become the magis, you know, and, and be enlightened and, perfect and you know like all these kinds of things and it's like you know i think that at best that is true Mm -hmm. for for that moment in the in the ceremony while you were there you're perfect in that moment yes and then you get on with the rest of your life right but but it's a very western notion that we that will achieve this thing and then we will uh carry it or live it inherently for the rest of the time you know
1: Very easily without any effort. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But we should go back to Dexter for a minute because. Yes. um, Well, and I don't know if this is just my bias or what this is all about, but um, I can see why someone would say, watching Dexter, that's terrible. There's nothing spiritual in that. But I I would disagree. I think Dexter was a brilliant show. And it forces us to examine the um, relationship between rules and regulations and intentions and um, outcomes, means, and ends, and managing illness. And sure, you know, I yeah, so
0: I think that you know, I think that the, the notion that Dexter was this sociopath. Mm-hmm. You know, with no actual sort of, or almost no empathy for anybody else, mm-hmm. but to, who had this, these rules, which he lived by, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. a fascinating thing, right? Because especially, you know, I know personally, there've been, there've been a lot of times in my life, you know, I mean, where, where I have, I have not felt inclined to live what I felt what I thought was right or what the rules that I had set for myself as being right were you -hmm. know and even even now you know the sort of the legacy of my um, screw the system in the world punk rock legacy you know and and my sort of careful and considered spiritual practice of when I'm working and reading with people and deciding things for my life, there are those polarities in all of us. Right. I mean, it's like that moment we were talking about in the ceremony, you know, on the one hand, not, not that my punk rock side is, is the devil, right. Or whatever. But on the one hand, there's the, the, you know, the aspiration to union with the divine. And on the other hand, there's living in the world and dealing with all the messiness. Right.
1: Right. Right. Yes. Um, I love talking to you because I have a million responses and directions this can go. So I'm going to try to hold on to two. All right. <laughs> One, the um, um, how Dexter had no empathy, a sociopath, right? But he, tried, he lived by these rules and behaved as if, right? Because he was trying to do the right thing. Yeah. But at the end, by the time the series wrapped up, yeah. he had... Oh, well, oh, I guess... But not in detail. He, That's
0: okay. It's been, it's been over for, for a while.
1: It yeah. has. Um, he developed what, I mean, I think he developed empathy Yeah. at the end. So that whole idea of people always say, fake it till you make it. Uh-huh. I think that it works on a lot of levels. If you believe something to be true, act on it, even if it doesn't feel right. I mean, emotions are important and helpful, but they're signs. They're not the end all be all.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. And, know. and, and you know, certainly neither of us mean put up with something that's crappy, but, you know, but oh. if you're aspiring to something that you know is better or you feel certain is good for you, then yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, right, definitely
1: like exercising or eating well or whatever. I mean, you may not feel like it, but you keep doing it and, you know, eventually it'll become a reality. Well, not people say, you know, your habits create who you are and, you know, doing things over and over again can be dangerous right mm-hmm. as well as helpful i mean that's why you gotta be careful what you do and think and say yeah always always um
0: james uh earlier this week james wanless and i taught a class on mindfulness and the tarot mm-hmm. and uh this was one of the, the themes that we were talking about you know it's just sort of like you know we started off from the question of like who is the eye and what is your identity mm-hmm. and how do you how do you be mindful in a way to make your thoughts and actions in life in alignment with that, that higher energy that you're, you're trying to set in motion. Right. Right. So yeah, definitely. Huh? <laughs> um, Oh, you had two thoughts and now I've derailed you. I,
1: know, I had two thoughts and one was, it had to do with the punk rock and the, uh, spiritual, those, that dichotomy. Oh, Oh, it's gone. Maybe well, it'll come. You
0: know, I mean, I think the, the, the question for me is... Um, the question for me about that stuff, the point that I come back to continuously around that energy, right, mm-hmm. is for me, um, there is a exuberant, back-and-all, engaged-in-life piece that mm-hmm. comes from that punk rock energy.
1: Yeah.
0: And... The negative side of that energy for me is when it becomes oppositional to anything,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: And so, like one of the themes of my my year this year, you know, I'm in my hermit year, right? So I've been like going back to to who am I and where am I going and what what is this all about. And one of the things that I've been revisiting repeatedly is this notion that, as it stands right now, I am completely free, mm-hmm. right? Whereas that punk rock piece can sort of be a fight to become free, but I'm like, I'm already free. Right. So if I'm free, then what does that mean? And if I, if I'm not oppositional and if my life doesn't need to exist or push in opposition to anything, Mm -hmm. then how does that exuberance and and sort of rowdy, fun energy come out Mm -hmm. when it's no longer tied to any kind of, you know, any kind of fighting or conflict when Mm -hmm. it's just straight up expression. So, Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Can I offer an idea?
0: Yes, I would love that.
1: Uh, And I don't know if it's a good one or not. Um, In one of the um, influences on my life um, for the past several years is a podcast called Why Shamanism Now by Christina Pratt. And one of the things that she has mentioned is um, the idea of the rebel. And, And she says a rebel is the shadow side of the warrior archetype hmm. that the rebel is someone who doesn't have the courage to take on the responsibility of leadership and warriorship. Hmm. And so now I'm not saying, like I said, I don't know if it's a good idea. I didn't think it through. It just, I'm ta- thinking it as I'm talking it, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, if part of punk, cause I think part of, punk rock or any kind of rebellion um, can be useful because it brings things to people's attention,
0: Yeah.
1: but if, and in that sense it can be warriorship and leadership, but if it is only oppositional, if it is only, we are against, we are against, we are against, maybe that's the point where something is is no longer leadership or warriorship when it is just oppositional without having a solution or a positive or a productive side to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that there's, um, you know, I mean, in, in in this kind of conversation, there's the, there's the possibility of activism, Mm -hmm. which, which doesn't need to be rebellion in in the, in the sort of sense that you're talking about, which may well be warriorship. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also the possibility that, that activism could devolve into, you know, Rebellion for the sake of rebellion, right you know there I think that it's a question of maybe it's a question of how the ego identifies with it mm-hmm. you know and how the ego um, holds or releases that sense of of working to make change which is inherent in the in the rebel right and whether that working to make change leads to leadership or leads to warriorship or mm-hmm. whether it stays. You know, complete something and then starts looking for something else to become oppositional to. Right. Yeah.
1: Another part of it could also be intent, because the rebel may okay, to create change in the world usually requires listening to people who are opposed to you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, like really listening and understanding them, right? But if you have no interest You know, because sometimes when, you know, people meet someone who believe opposite of them, I don't want to talk to you. I don't need to hear it. I've heard it all before. I don't, whatever. And so that means you don't really want to make change. Mm -hmm. You just want to make noise. Right. And it takes a lot of courage to look at someone who believes opposite of you and with a lot of sincerity, say, tell me more about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's that whole um, nonviolent communication kind of approach, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are you familiar with that, nonviolent communication? Marshall Rosenberg?
1: I think I've heard about it some years ago, but yeah. I am not really versed in it. Yeah. So is check, that-
0: check it out. Good. The book is called Nonviolent Communication. Marshall okay. Rosenberg, I think, is his name. And um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it, He's got some really hippie poetry in there that I found off-putting, mm-hmm. um, but you can just skip that. It doesn't—it doesn't permeate everything. Just—just just right. be like, oh no, get okay. to the stuff. Um, but yeah, the idea of of leading with questions and leading with and staying engaged and asking questions to kind of get to a place of resolution. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, this is a guy who um, you know uh, worked internationally in politics and other places, trying to mediate between sort of seemingly impossible factions. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, so, so, I mean, I think that that's great, but I think it's also really important. And, and this is where, where the rebellion, you know, the rebellion piece also becomes problematic is, you know, um, I don't know that Donald Trump cares anything about what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's anything about what I would have to say or any amount of listening to Donald Trump. You know because I've heard a lot of him talk over the last while as you guys are you know meandering towards your election sometime mm-hmm. um, there are these people whose positions end the conversation mm-hmm. which is also really which for me is is something that has been really important to become aware of, which is there there is no there's no fight with this person because they they are their core belief is mm-hmm. is inherently opposed to respecting anything that I have to say, Mm -hmm. for instance. Um, and there's no, there's no obvious way forward or creating process with this person because they have already inherently set themselves up beyond reproach and as an unquestionable authority on something, you know, and with some of those situations, I think that, you know, for me, the, the, the idea is, well, I'm not even going to engage that. Right. I'm going to just go and do what I got to do, right? And and disengage from the oppositional piece, which might be you know angry at them or you know get worked up or you know want to yell at them or mm-hmm. know, create my own anti Fox News TV network and you know I don't know whatever. Right? A,
1: <laughs> well, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, <laughs> it,
0: it wouldn't until it was right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I could just imagine what it might be like to try to talk to Donald Trump in that way. That's a great example because I can't even picture it. Um, Yeah. So sometimes it is not worth the fight. But um, but you could still perhaps find the people who are responding to his message and ask them, what is it about what he's saying that makes you feel like this is the right way to go? Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. Donald, not so much. I can't, can't imagine any progress being made there. <laughs> well,
0: Exactly. Right. We, we just had an election up here in Canada. Right. And uh, yeah. our ultra conservative, um, ultra business. And, and, and I think sort of, um, Morally conservative leader of the last number of years, um, you know, was was replaced by somebody who is, you know, well, the liberal, you like know? You, right? Well, and so everybody keeps saying, yes, <laughs> so everybody keeps saying. Um, but, you know, uh, who who is like, uh, you know, interested in science and what science has to say and what who one of his first um, things was when he established his cabinet, he. He, uh, he said that he would make it 50% female, mm-hmm. and he did, which is pretty amazing, you know, first time ever, right, you know? Um, so I think that there are, there are lots of great things there, you know? But, yeah, like the, the, previous, the previous leader, you know, I mean, he basically just, there was no conversation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he made it illegal for scientists to talk to the news, right? He made it, like, it's just all this stuff, right? And, uh, you know, so there are these people where you can't, you can't engage Mm -hmm. you can't get anywhere with, you you have to work for change somewhere else. Right. You know? And I think that that's, that's also what's really interesting about this sort of oppositional piece for me is if this is, you know, and this is why, you know, we'll drag it back to tarot a little bit here. You know, this is why when I read for people, I always put a card or some cards for what cannot be changed Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because it's really, really helpful to know, huh? there is absolutely nothing I can do to change that thing. Yeah. I guess I have to figure out what I'm going to do in relationship to its immutability.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds so healthy to me. It has been so many years that I feel like I've been swimming around in this. Um, well, the shorthand is the secret um, uh-huh. love attraction, you know, like you can do anything, thing, you can change anything. And, you know, I try to get on that, Boat for a while but part of me was just like but it's not true (laughs) there are things you can't change yeah so yay i'm happy to hear that you do that that's really really yeah
0: Yeah, the secret is one of those things i understand that some people really dig it Mm -hmm. um and i think that i think that where attitude or belief is the is a predominant factor that maybe that can be helpful, um, but I think that it it denies the reality of privilege and real world limits and you know like the people that I know, many of the people I know who claim the biggest success at it, already had a bunch of money, you know, right. or already had a, a stable situation or whatever. Not everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but like often they they already have a lot of the things that facilitate. Making things happen, right? And and those things weren't obvious, you know. Maybe or like people don't see them, and so they they kind of. Then it starts to go back to this, like, well, I did it, and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and I whatever, and I'm like, well, yeah, maybe maybe you did, and maybe you didn't, but um, <laughs> but we we can never. We, we always have to start with, you know, what is, what is it that we're actually capable of? What is it that we actually are interested in? What what field possibilities of manifesting stuff do we have? Right. And let's work within a, you know, a, a practical a practical level, right? You know, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, so that um, brings to mind a thing I, I'd like to hear what you think about this. Um, along with the idea of um, having this transformative moment that changes your life forever and makes it all easy and good to me that for me, that's in the same like category of um, asking the universe, asking spirit, asking the cards to tell me, you know, what should I do? And, I mean, that's such a loaded question. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. What should I do? You know, and one of the follow-up questions immediately was, what should you do to accomplish what? Like, what is your goal or what is your thing? And Well, I just want to know what spirit wants me to do. And for me, because I used to ask that question myself, you know, what does spirit want me to do? And part of it was like, again, that idea of not taking the crown, not taking the authority and responsibility. You know, I don't want the responsibility of making the wrong decision. So if spirit tells me what to do, that means what? In my mind, it means everything will be easy and there'll be, it'll, the road will be smooth. And, you know, because if I'm doing what spirit wants, that means it's going to be easy. And that was a, a personal, um, belief that I, didn't know how strongly I was holding on to, mm-hmm. and how much it got in the way of me experiencing life and growing spiritually and emotionally, both those ways. Um, so I'd like to hear because you seem so practical and wise. Tell me what you, <laughs> what you think about that. That's
0: awesome. Can I can I get that printed on a shirt? Barbara <laughs> Moore says I am practical and wise.
1: Yes, yes, you may. <laughs>
0: um, you know like a lot of a lot of I spent a lot of time studying um, the the shell readings you know with my elders and discussing some of these kinds of things you know in in my religious practice and one of the things that I think is so profound, right because you know this is this is a tradition that has its roots going back seven thousand years, right you know through oral tradition in theory at least continuously for that whole time right so that's a lot of time of people's lives it's a lot of problems that people have had to deal with and it's a lot of smart people thinking about and witnessing life unfold and building a a body of knowledge Mm -hmm. and so you know there there's this sort of notion that like there, there are a few things that are really interesting to me about that one is um Blessings are hard to hold on to, mm-hmm. you know. Right? There's this. There's this notion. Um, we use the word ere to mean blessings and osobo to mean uh, problems. Right? And uh, there's this proverb um, that can come in one of the signs, uh, which is um, the war of the of the one iray with the many osobos. Right? Mm-hmm. Because there's only one blessing. There's a blessing. That's it. Something is good. Right? But. There are many, many kinds of problems sickness, death, loss, you know legal troubles, gossip, you know um, war like there, there there's a big huge long list of different kinds of negativities, mm-hmm. but there's only one blessing there's only one positivity right okay. and the the work of trying to the work the, the point of divination you know in this system could be said seeking to help us keep in alignment so we can stay so we can move to being in the blessings or if we have them to keep them mm-hmm. but there are all these things that come up where there are things you just can't change right? right and and there there's all these sort of different ways in which things can be immutable you know and there are there are signs which predict things like um you know Death, death, uh, uh, death which nobody can do anything to stop, right? right? And that can come up in advance of that death happening, mm-hmm. right? And the only value of that reading or the the profound value of that reading is to say, Hey, you couldn't have done anything about this,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know? But that doesn't mean that that's easy, you know? Right. And that can't, that doesn't mean that, um, that there's not grief or hardship. That doesn't mean that there are not, uh, you know, a, another. Another one of the the sort of um proverbs is uh um, the 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 pumpkin patch that produces no pumpkins, you know and uh, and the idea is that we um you know this is a very seven of discs kind of idea, right? Okay. We can plant our seeds and tend the garden, and maybe we still won't get anything at the end of it. right And why is that? Yeah, too hot, too cold, bad seed birds. The locusts you know, came. The locusts came. We, you know, you know, the amount of time I've planted pumpkins and not even got anything. Cause they were the wrong. All I got was the wrong gendered part plants. You know I mean? Like there, many things can happen, right? Yeah. That are beyond our seeing or controlling. Right. And so, you know, having this relationship to divination that is about, um, doing our best, mm-hmm. being prepared, mm-hmm. taking ownership, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another huge concept is the idea of, uh, internal stability, Right. you know, personal stability and seeking and seeking to build and reinforce and stabilize, mm-hmm. you know, a person, yeah. right. You know, myself or people that I'm reading for, you know, like these ideas, um, I think that they're really important to sort of be real about what is going on, you know, mm-hmm. because, because stuff happens right and yeah. no amount of no amount of uh applying the secret to somebody who you know from our intention towards another person has any effect right, right. you know if they're an addict and they're going to overdose they're going to overdose right. you know if they're whatever you know if our partner doesn't like us or doesn't want to own their stuff or doesn't whatever you know so so there's sort of this this constant sort of uh, attention to what is what is internal and actionable, mm-hmm. and what is external and maybe controllable and maybe not, right? You know, and, I, and we see this in a lot of uh, Eastern thoughts too, right? You know, Buddhism and other places, this sort of notion of um, how do we how do we roll with it, right? Mm-hmm. If, if life is suffering and everything dies and ends, how do we roll with that and I... avoid suffering? You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question or if I <laughs> got lost in my philosophizing, but... Uh, uh,
1: no, well, yes, you, you kind of answered a little bit. What you pointed out was, um, you know, you could make the right decisions, but that doesn't guarantee everything's going to be easy peasy. Because exactly. you know, you the right decision is to plant your pumpkin seeds. Yeah. Yep. But that doesn't guarantee... You're going to get pumpkins.
0: Exactly. So. Yeah, and, and in terms of what spirit should, what you should do and stuff like that, I, I'm interested in that as a question, mm-hmm. depending on where the person is coming from mm-hmm. in relationship to it, you know, like I, I, I will often refuse to answer questions that people ask, mm-hmm. you know, I will just be like, eh, no, I don't think that's helpful. Yeah. You know, like, but. But, but is it going to work out with with you know with Betty or with Bill or with somebody be like yeah we talked about what you need to do we talked about the fact that there are these problems talked about the fact that it is unclear whether this can change it or not i'm i'm not inclined to reassure you mm-hmm. because i think that you have to try and then you'll see what happens yeah you know and yeah people don't like that i mean some people like that or open to that but mm-hmm. um but i i think that i think that if a person is is sort of genuinely asking mm-hmm. like hey spirit you know what what do you need from me what do you want what's what what do you got to say about where i'm at mm-hmm. i think that that could be a fascinating question yes but that's often not why people are asking it right
1: Right. That, and that's exactly kind of where I was going with that. Right. You know, yeah. what are, we asked this question, but what are our underlying expectations Yeah. or assumptions yeah. about the question? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I've been, um, I've been noticing lately how I'm becoming, I've always been interested in um, impossible things like, you know, hard to answer questions, you know, like I'm, I really like sort of um, discussing, pe- discussing people's existential crises with them and, and kind of working for that, you know, working through that with people. And um, so one of the things that I'm, that I'm sort of sorting out the details for and we'll be, we'll be throwing out as, a, as an offering, you know, sometime in the next few weeks is, um, is the idea of getting an impossible reading. Right, mm-hmm. so you have like a you have a question that is, you know, maybe maybe almost impossible for you to even formulate, or maybe is hard, or or maybe is something like, you know, why am I on Earth? What is the point of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or I don't know what. Like I don't even know. I I, I want to know. I want to hear what people have to say, and so people, you know, will send their question, and I will send them a response, mm-hmm. but I have no idea what that response will be. And the more interesting the question, the more likely that I will be very, very creative in the response. Mm-hmm. So someone might get a song back or artwork or, you know, a bunch of words or recordings or, you know, I don't even know, right? <laughs> like, so So what What returns will be the answer, mm-hmm. um, but that answer might be poetic or not, right? It might be really, really, you know. Right. And and if people want to ask an impossible question like, should I be with this person or not? They'll get an answer, but it'll only be one word because it's not an interesting conversation, right? Right, right. You know? Um, So anyways, I'm fascinated about sort of how far can we go, how how magical can these sort of communications be, Uh and how can they verge towards that sort of um, maybe transformational experience, possibly. Yeah. But certainly sort of... um, Inspirational and muse inspiring Mm -hmm. communications. Yeah. So
1: that is so cool and so exciting. I wish I thought of it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, So it reminds me, it reminds me of a couple of things. One, it reminds me of the, um, uh, from what I understand, how the Oracle of Delphi worked is, you know, you would go and you would get this Oracle, right? And it would be, what I always imagine something similar to what you just said, you know, like this almost nonsensical riddle or who knows what. And so the person gets it and then they leave the Oracle area. And then there are all these other people out there who you can pay to interpret the message. Mm. So, you know, the idea of taking this poetical or artistic or creative answer um, and then interpreting it and I think people One of the reasons people go to tarot readers is to have someone to interpret the symbols for them and to tell them in very blunt and mundane words what the answer is. But what you're suggesting is going back to this spot where you give them this other message that doesn't necessarily speak to the left brain understanding, but to either like their right brain or their soul or their spirit, which communicates and understands differently and the brain the logical part doesn't always understand that but that doesn't mean it's not a vital way to answer a question yeah and you know you like if you've looked at a piece of art and you have felt fulfilled and satisfied in this way and it's like my soul was asking a question that my brain didn't know it was asking and this art answered it
0: yeah
1: beautiful you know
0: as we're talking about it, it's, you know, because I'm, I'm in the process of writing my explanation of what it is that I'm offering to people. Mm-hmm. And the phrase that comes out of it is um, I want people to ask a question uh-huh. and then I will pull them into a dream uh-huh. where they can find where the answers will be revealed to them mm-hmm. and then I can send them back into their life so they can be changed by that dream <sighs> to reveal the truth to themselves.
1: Oh, my God, that is what I want to do. That I've been, oh, you're brilliant. I've been kind of moving in a direction like that, but I didn't think as smart as you. I'm thinking I need to write fiction or make art or do something because I want to give those kind of experiences to people. Um, Oh, you're so smart. I'm going to be first in line for that.
0: (laughs) Nice. I look forward to it well you know and, and all those other things are are helpful too right you oh, know what sure. i mean like I, I think that it's that it's finding the the whole spectrum of those things you know mm-hmm. i think mean, i'm not going to stop reading cards for people you no. know i'm not going to stop reading cards for people who walk off the street and they're like you know trying to sort out some really imminent and practical whatever um you're not you know. going to give them a piece of art in response to it exactly exactly how how do i find a job oh here you go take a look at this mandala for six hours and you'll yeah. get there, right
1: um i get a punch in the nose
0: <laughs> exactly uh, i i have to say i'm impressed that i haven't gotten a punch in the nose so far you know not that i'm asking for that but uh, yeah um but and i think that all those other things are really important too right because they meet people where they're at in different places. And I would love to read your fiction, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and no doubt your books uh, influence many people. And, you know, like, I think that there are many ways to sort of, um, yeah, send stuff out there that, that transforms the world, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's, a, there's a quote from somewhere or other by Crowley, you know, which is, um, uh, who can fully understand the implications of their actions and choices? You know, Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's probably, it's probably more universal. He probably stole it from somebody else, but, but I know it from his writings. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the, that's the, that's the magic of reading cards. That's the magic of shamanism, right? Like, you know, I think about some of the, the spiritual things that I've been through with other people and shamans and elders and, you know, some of them are decades gone and still shaping my life, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Wow. I <laughs> it's funny. I wasn't sure how, what we were, you know, going to talk about. So, you know, I wanted to be prepared so I had some I, you know, just this little list of in case we had a lull in the conversation and like we had there's so so much we could have talked about. Yeah. This well, is always the problem you have with your guests, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, you know, I mean, People, people are fascinated
0: mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I really, um, with the podcast, I really try and invite people that I, that I am inspired to have mm-hmm. conversations with, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, like, not that there's anything wrong with other people, but maybe they're not the right fit for me or whatever. And, you know, there's so much interesting stuff going on. And there's so many things that like what we talked about today that where where would you go and read that? You know, like in this era of the internet where in theory we can go and get any answers, mm-hmm. I feel like I want the podcast to be something that uh, answers questions that people hadn't formulated, mm-hmm. inspires people to ask questions that they didn't even know they had, mm-hmm. and just sort of helps them reveal different ways of approaching, you know, I mean, reading the cards, obviously, but also life in a more general way, so. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly mm-hmm,
0: so have you been fitted for your crown yet
1: <laughs> um yes, I think so. I think I actually have already you know once I got used to the idea, I've collected many now. I have ones to go with every outfit and every occasion.
0: excellent. Are you gonna be wearing one during your presentation in uh New York?
1: Yes, it might be invisible, but I'll be wearing it uh-huh <laughs> for sure. um I'm also presenting um at North Star in January, which is a local uh minneapolis conference that nancy antonucci puts on Mm -hmm. so yeah so i'll have crown on there too Perfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: cool Cool. well thanks for agreeing to this and being on again it's been been delightful
1: it has been so much fun thank you for having me again and you know if you want i still have my list and we can have another conversation (laughs) totally
0: totally (laughs) we will do that for sure cool all right um where do people find you
1: Oh, they can find me um too often they can find me on Facebook. Um so if you go into Facebook and type Barbara Moore or Barbara dot more dot tarot or something like that, you'll find me super easy. My website is taroshaman.com, which also has a link to the Facebook page and contact information. But taroshaman.com is my website and, uh, it has on there, um, my blog, which I, you know, go write on sporadically, sign up for my newsletter, which I send out semi-regularly, um, information about, um, the classes that I'm teaching and, um, hopefully soon a retreat that I'll be offering again in, Next fall, I offered it for the first time this fall, and it was amazing. I can't wait to offer it again. So, um, yes, all that stuff will be on my website.
0: Beautiful. All Mm. right. Thanks again. Thank you. So thank you for listening. Um, I had a great time talking to Barbara, as I always do. And I also want to say that I have indeed rolled out my new Uh, readings the impossible readings and if that is something that caught your attention in the podcast please go to thehermitslamp.com slash impossible to read a little bit more about it and uh, if that's your thing if it inspires you to uh, purchase one of those readings i certainly appreciate you listening and i look forward to hearing from you soon bye bye